mountain church and my thoughts of yesterday where friends and family gathered for the Lord. There's an old-fashioned preacher taught the straight, narrow way for what you coined the congregation cut aboard. Dressed in all our Sunday best, we sat on pews of solid oak, and I remember how our voices filled the air. Now mama sounded like an angel on those high soprano notes And the roll is caught up yonder, I'll be there Looking back now that little mountain church house Has become my life's cornerstone It was there in that little mountain church house I first heard the word of ace my life At the all day Sunday singing and dinner Brothers and my sisters who've gone to glory land Sleep in peace in a maple grove nearby Looking back now that little mountain church house Has become my life's cornerstone It was there in that little mountain church house I first heard the word of ace my life upon I first heard the word of ace my life upon Appreciate these young men here. They're going to come up and play one more for us before we're done. Good morning. Once again, I'm so happy to see you guys. You know, last week when we were out, I just, I feel it when we're not able to be together. 
You know, you guys are our family, and family is something that you really you can't do without. And sometimes you, you know, family's tough, but when you have to be without family, then you feel it's a lot tougher, a lot tougher. My family and I spent yesterday evening watching old videos, like old home movies. At one time, I was the annoying dad with like the, the camcorder, and uh, I took all these videos, and it was, it was obnoxious. But I'm so glad that I did because I get to look back and, you know, we get to see when the kids were really little and how adorable they were and and still are, by the way. And uh, it was just, it was really something. We used to go on all these adventures and stuff when I was young and cool. And uh, my wife, Katie, she said, uh, your accent was a lot more country back then. I said, yeah, babe, I've been working on that. And uh, the kids said, Dad, you looked so young back then. And I said, yeah, that's before a couple of y'all were born. Y'all did this to me. Y'all made me old. <laughs> but then, to, to be fair, I've been through a lot in the last while. To be fair, haven't we all been through a lot? Maybe in the last couple years especially. You know, it just it doesn't ever feel like everything has been settled again. It just feels like so much. It's a lot and it wears on you and it shows we've, we've all been through a lot. That young guy on the screen had no idea some of the stuff that was going to come along and smack him upside the head. Now, some of that I did to myself because um, the person who, who is most responsible for a lot of the struggles in life is that guy who looks me in the mirror every morning and uh but you know it's funny these days i hear my teenage kids saying man i feel old it's like kid if, if you're old what does that make you feel but how many of you know it's not the years it's the miles it's the mileage you know you may your your car may be like a 2015 but if it's got 400,000 miles on it you know i've been doing this ministry thing for a long time now over half my life. That's mind-blowing to me. And I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot. I've seen miracles. I've seen absolute miracles. I've seen people who have recovered from stuff that they should not. My wife is one of those miracles. She'd be here today, but she's done something to her neck. Pray for her. She said, it's a joke. She said, Michael, I usually make fun of you for being old, but I rolled over and hurt my neck. So that's it. Um, those who are under like 30... Just so you know, the day will come when you no longer hurt yourself doing cool things. You hurt yourself like trying to tie your shoes. So live it up, get some Crocs, and save yourself the trouble. I don't know. I don't, I don't believe in Crocs. Those, something's wrong with that. Something's wrong with Crocs. So it don't seem right to me. <laughs> I'm going to start a fight here. That's like worse than political fight is people's opinions on Crocs. <laughs> I've seen uh, I've seen marriages that were broken be put back together. Miracles. I've seen it. I, I've seen people transformed. I saw one uh, one gentleman who was and he was well into his eighties, almost ninety, and his wife had been praying for him for sixty years that he would come to know the Lord, and he was that typical grouchy old man. You know any grouchy old men? Don't point any fingers. Don't throw any elbows in case they're with you. Um, but he was that guy, just grouchy, unpleasant. Let me tell you what. I saw the Lord transform that man into a sweet, humble soul who before he was, the way he treated his wife wasn't very nice before, unfortunately. But I saw him change. Seen a lot. Seen a lot of folks come and go through the years. You know, I've seen, uh, met a lot of people who used to be connected to a church but aren't anymore. And that's a lot of people around here. You know, there's, I think, 100 to 120 church congregations in Carroll County, Virginia, and probably similar numbers in the counties that are adjacent. 
And uh, so most people have some church in their background somewhere, even if it's grandma used to take me to VBS. You know, I went to all the VBSs that my parents would possibly take me to even before they got involved in church, they would take us to VBS. So most people grow up and they around here have a little bit of church in their background, the majority, but you'll also find the vast majority of people really aren't actively connected with the local church congregation. And I got to ask why that is. So, you know, I talk to people. I used to go out and knock on doors. That used to be a big thing. But now, what do you do when someone knocks on your door? You're just like, who's, who's in my door? You know, there used to be a time, you know, in my, in my grandparents' generation where it was expected to just knock on, just show up out of the blue. Hey, if you show up at my house, you get what you get. Please understand. <laughs> if you come uninvited, you get what you get. I love it. Um, I'll pick on my dad because he's not here today. Um, I remember we had a new preacher in the church I grew up in, and the new preacher came to visit him, and my dad just, you know, he was just being dad. He did not have a shirt on, and he did not put a shirt on when the preacher got there. And him and that preacher, uh, it was Alan Cherry. Um, he and that preacher became very, very good friends, you know. I mean, well, you, yeah. where do you go from there? You're going to have to be friends. At that point, so you know, I've I've seen a lot, and I'm trying to figure out why it is that uh, that people get disconnected. Sometimes life just changes. Someone goes on a weird shift, or someone moves, or or uh, you know something happens, or just get out of the habit. COVID has done that. Have you noticed a lot of the things that we used to do? It's easier to just not do them now because of how weird it feels. But but for some people the disconnection was a little more painful than that. That something did happen to discourage them. You know, some kind of discouraging experience when it comes to church. Something, something that, that hurt. There was some time when, when they or someone they cared about needed some love and support and it just wasn't there. Or maybe they found the opposite of that. Needed help and healing and received hurting Instead, let me tell you folks, ain't no hurt like church hurt. Mm, my family knows that. Ain't no hurt like church hurts. Nothing's quite like it. We've been through it. But that's a big reason we're doing what we're doing right now. There's a big reason we're to recreate church. To be a community of faith where people who have good reasons to be leery of church can reconnect, can find a home. Again, so um, through the years, I've noticed a pattern that people don't really quit church so much as they quit church people. Sometimes church people can be mean. And deep down in me, I, I want to say a little amen, but I feel too sad to say amen about that. It's just reality. Sometimes that's, that's the way it is. But here's something else I've learned. Not all... Just because someone's a is church people, it doesn't mean they're Jesus people. It's not the same. Um, just because someone makes the outward claim or, or has the outward appearance of religion doesn't mean they know Jesus. And just because someone knows Jesus doesn't mean they're always acting very Jesus-y. That includes me too. I have some moments where I'm like, oh gosh, I hope nobody saw me do that. And uh, you know, I try to have fewer of those like... That's that's when I don't. That's why I don't always when I meet somebody new. I don't tell them first thing that I'm a pastor, okay? Because I don't want them watch me that close. But they usually figure it out pretty quickly. Started a new job and they say, "Hey, aren't you that? Aren't you that pastor?" I said, "Yes, I am." What are you doing here? I'm working here to support my preaching habit. So <laughs> that's what I do. It's been good so far. Thank you guys for praying for me and my new job. I am working a weird shift, so. Hopefully that will only last like two more weeks and that'll be nice. But um, I bet you have met some people who could talk a big talk of religion, could talk maybe about the Bible, could talk about faith. But when it came down to the way they treated people, it made you wonder what's going on. Would you believe Jesus met people like that too? He met a lot of people like that. A lot of the religious elite in his day were, were really good at talking a big game, but they just didn't seem to care about people. He even met some folks who looked like they were part of, they looked like they were on Team Jesus or on Team Jehovah, 
but they were actually on the other team. I want to tell you one of the strangest stories in the whole Bible, one of the strangest stories from the life of Jesus. It comes out of Mark chapter 1. It is the day Jesus met a demon in church. Sounds weird already, so you'll find that. Mark chapter 1, we're going to begin in at verse 21. Reads like this. They went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught, and they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having the authority, not as the scribes. Let's stop and pray right there. Heavenly Father, I pray you will open up this word to us and help us to see beyond appearances and understand that you want to work in hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's do a little quiz here. You came prepared for a quiz, right? Good. You look uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're going to learn. You're going to learn. So if I were to ask you, the town most associated with Jesus, you're probably going to give me one of two towns. You're going to tell me the place where he was born, which was Bethlehem, and slightly less known, the place where he grew up, his hometown, Nazareth. Born in Bethlehem, Jesus of Nazareth. But during his ministry, he spent much more time in this place called Capernaum, if you'll back it up one verse. Capernaum was the closest thing he had to a home during his time of ministry. It was a city up near the Sea of Galilee and a nice place, a lot of fishing going on up there. That was his ministry base of operations. He always came back around to Capernaum. I don't think he exactly had a house there, but he had friends there. And some of them, it was probably the hometown of some of the apostles. Peter and Andrew and James and John were probably from Capernaum. So we're going to see Capernaum come up again and again. And if you see that as you're reading through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, when you see Capernaum, understand this is the place where Jesus' base of operations was, especially in the early days of his ministry. So we read here in this verse that it is on the Sabbath day. The Jewish Sabbath is Saturday. And it was set aside as a day of worship. Originally, that meant people worshipped in their homes. Back before the temple was built, that's generally what they did. They would have home services. Maybe not quite like we do, but they would have something in their homes. Later on, when the temple is built, they would go to the temple for some things, but they still met mostly in homes. It was during the Babylonian captivity that they did something different. Y'all remember when we studied the book of Daniel, those who were around for that, that took place during the Babylonian captivity, and during that time there was no temple to go to, and they were a thousand miles from home. And they did their home services, but they felt like they needed the fellowship, so they began meeting together in groups. We know this as a synagogue today. In the synagogues, they would come together, and they uh, they would support each other, and they would teach the Word. Now, we think of a synagogue as the Jewish equivalent of a local church, right? It's actually the other way around. That the way we have our local church congregations and local church meetings is really based on the synagogue services that existed in the days of Jesus. They would have singing, usually something from the Psalms. They would have scripture reading. They would have some kind of sermon or teaching. And yeah, that's what we do today. We have Scripture reading, we have singing, we have teaching, we have fellowship. There would be a guy who was a part of the synagogue who would be like the leader. He would keep the scrolls and he would organize the services. He wasn't exactly the pastor. He wasn't exactly the main preacher or anything, but he was the guy who was leading the service. So technically speaking, in most synagogues, any male member could bring some kind of a teaching. You say that's unfair. Well, hey, go back 2,000 years and you talk to them about it. And you get them straightened out and come back and tell me what they say. So um, Jesus could walk into a synagogue and he might be given the opportunity to speak. Interestingly, the Hebrew tradition was for the teacher to sit and the congregation, the listeners, to stand. Y'all want to try that? Y'all want to try that? You're saying, well, preacher, 
Why did you go and find the most comfortable church chairs I have ever sat in and then tell us to stand? Y'all like these chairs? They are pretty comfortable. Way more comfortable. Nothing wrong with pews. Man, I spent a lot of time sitting on a pew. But if I can sit in an armchair and get close to Jesus and I still have feeling in my butt when I'm done, then that's great. See, if it's a trick though, these comfortable chairs are a trick because uh, an old preacher once said the mind can only absorb what the backside can withstand. Because our chairs are more comfortable, I can preach longer. You're welcome. You're, you're welcome. So, but we go after the Greek tradition, which is for the person, the presenter to stand and the audience to sit. So, and we'll just follow, it'll be okay if we follow the Greek tradition there. This way, I don't have to sit still. See, if I'm sitting, I got to sit still. And I don't like to sit still. So, I, I'll just have the mic. So, Jesus, he, he starts speaking. And they immediately see, well, hold on, this guy's different. He's very different. Verse 22 it says he's different than the scribes. Who were the scribes? The scribes were the guys who made copies of the Scripture. Remember, there was no printing press for like the next well over a thousand years. So all books had to be copied by hand, and these guys had the job. And they took it very seriously. I'll give them that. They would copy one letter, look at the other, copy one letter, and look at the other. They did one letter at a time, just one letter. It was very serious. So when you read your Bible... This is something that has been very carefully preserved through the years. They took it so seriously. So they knew the letter of the Word. They understood what it said, but they did not speak with authority. How could Jesus speak with authority? Well, he's not. these guys were copying the Scriptures. Jesus is the author of the Scriptures. So He knew. He knew what it means. And He spoke with authority. You might come away listening to the scribes being intrigued or impressed, but you, when you heard Jesus speak, when Jesus' words hit your heart, you're going to feel like something's got to change. See, that's really it, isn't it, folks? When a word of Jesus gets and touches your heart, it's going to prompt you to do something about the things in your life, you know, either, you know, trust more or maybe straighten out some mess that's in there. And that's why it can it can be uncomfortable. And you'll have a choice, you'll either have to act or or try to get away from what is what it's saying to you. And I hope you'll act on whatever the Lord speaks into your heart today. Of course, not everyone in the crowd was interested in hearing Jesus that day. One person in the crowd was getting very upset and is about to interrupt the service. Now, I've seen a lot, man. I've had stuff happen during church services that's uh, surprising. Never had this that I know of. Never had this one. Jesus is speaking, and this guy jumps up. Verse 23, let's read. Verse 23 says, Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, that is a nicer way to say it was a demon. And he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What do we have to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Man, that is... That's weird. Um, he re, this, this, this guy was sitting there and he, re, he had this evil spirit in him and he... He reacted to Jesus' teaching and just jumped up and said, well, hey, what are you doing here? We, what do you have to do with us? Leave us alone. I know who you are. That's weird. That's shocking. But you know what seems more shocking to me? That up until that point in the service, he blended in with everybody else. You couldn't tell. Evidently, he no, nobody recognized him as being so different. Now, we don't know for sure that he was like a member of that synagogue or a regular participant in that synagogue, but he very well might have been. He, he seemed like he was one of the good guys. You know, he was there. He showed up. And it's, you know, it's so strange. You might say, well, hey, preacher, you... You really think that that whole that demon stuff, you know, can someone really be possessed with an evil spirit? Hey, great question. That's a fair question. I will say two things. Number one, 
Well, let me make it three. Number one, we read it in the Scriptures. So that ought to give us some reason to think. Number two, if you talk to any missionary who's been about anywhere else in the world besides the United States or Europe, they'll tell you all kinds of stories. And number three, I'm pretty sure I've had some encounters with some guys who had some kind of evil spirit going on for sure. Uh, one guy, I remember shaking his hand, and he looked at me just like I had dipped my hand in a cow patty before I handed it to him, which I had not. My house is surrounded on three sides by cow pastures, but I do stay clear of the cow patties. But he's, it's almost like it burned him. And like Maybe it's because of the Holy Spirit and the evil spirit, they don't really get along. So, But it's so wild to me that this guy sat among them unidentified for what was really going on in his heart until that moment. So, I mean, that just goes to show you, you can't, can't always go by appearances. And it's a reminder to us that, that not everybody who appears to be religious is really a follower of Christ. So much negative stuff can be associated with, with Christians and churches, but I wonder if it comes down to folks who either claim to be believers and are not, or maybe even more common, who really are believers, but really aren't, aren't following the teaching of Jesus. You know, there's lots of very bad things that have happened through the years. Um, some people have done some bad things in the name of Jesus, or using spiritual justifications now, if you talk to them long enough, you'll probably find out that they really weren't going by a good interpretation of the word. But there's there's a lot that have has been done that and that sort of thing really hurts people. It sours people on God and it makes people not want to participate in church. I guarantee you, if you've hung around churches long enough, you've had some experiences that might have made you think, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if I want to be around people like this. You know, someone claims this, but they're doing this. And, you know, I, I hear people say, well, you know, this this happened or the church did this or the church did that. But understand, it's not it ain't the it ain't the Lord's church doing that. It's people. Most of the ugliest stuff associated with church is coming from a place where people are not living according to the teaching of Jesus, not living out convictions based on a faithful interpretation of the bible even if they're actually believers you know even jesus folks can get their priorities way out of whack if you've ever been kicked while you're down by church people that they weren't being jesus people right then if if someone takes advantage of the vulnerable man that's that ain't that ain't what jesus people supposed to be doing when people turn a blind eye to abuse, they are not being Jesus people. When people hijack spiritual issues to grab more power of any kind, they aren't being Jesus people. When people see lost folks wandering and sinking and turn away from that, they aren't, they aren't being Jesus people. When somebody uh, threatens and attacks and belittles folks who believe differently, they're not being Jesus people. When people put their comforts and preferences, preferences over reaching the lost, they ain't being Jesus people. When folks cut others down with their words, they're not being Jesus people. When folks put an outward an emphasis on outward appearance and outward rules keeping and looking right and having your hair cut right and having exactly the right clothes instead of on inward spiritual renewal, they aren't being Jesus people. Just because somebody has church clothes on doesn't mean they know Jesus. And even people who know Jesus sometimes get off in the weeds. So I know that through the years, a lot of people have experienced church hurt. I've experienced church hurt. Big time. But that is why we do what we do. We didn't start Recreate Church because we just needed another church in the community. There's lots of them. We did start it because... We needed a different kind of church. A church that's not just for insiders, not just for the in crowd, but the church who's thinking about the people who aren't here and the people who are unlikely to show up. One thing I love about our church is folks who... This, this is a church where you can invite people who don't do church. 
you can feel, you know, because we're, 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 we're different and that's okay. You know, everybody needs a church. You know, I'm, I pray for all the churches around. I'm not saying our church is better. That's not it, but somebody's got to be the church where you can bring your friend who don't do church. And that's us because we're just, we're not going to do church in a normal way. And that is, that is exactly what some people need. We want to be a church where you don't have to pretend that you don't have any problems. Man, this is the thing. Here's my pastor's heart right here because I see people. They're like, man, I, I want to get back in church, but I got a mess in my life right now. How are you going to get rid of the mess? You want to clean your house by yourself or do you want to like have a professional crew come in and help you out? You're like, but I'll be embarrassed about what they see in my house. Have you ever had that moment where you find out people are coming and you start frantically cleaning because you say to yourself, I don't want anybody to know I live like this. Yeah. Everybody's got that one room where they shove stuff. It's Maybe it's the laundry room, but you come into our house through our laundry room. We can't shove stuff in the laundry room. So it's, it's kind of rough. And... Uh, We'd have to shove something in one of the kids' rooms, I guess, and shut the door. But the thing is, don't feel like if you're struggling, look, you have permission to be honest about your struggle. But what you don't have permission to do is to struggle alone. We don't want you struggling alone. Let us struggle with you. Because we're struggling too. And we can help each other along. When it's slippery, it's good to have a friend to hold on to. Like uh, some of you over there for the baptism. And that was such a great time. <laughs> and Matthew was out there trying to help me. Man, we went accidentally swimming several times. Trying to get that baptism done. It was good though. I just about got rebaptized myself. When baptized John, I just about went down with him. It was a great moment. But... When we were coming in and out, I was not afraid to hold my brother Matthew's hand because, you know, I'm hoping, hoping between four, four legs, maybe we could stay standing. And that's what we want to be as a church. Remember, you don't have to stand alone. You don't have to struggle alone. Don't worry about being embarrassed. We're going to love you anyway. That's what we're trying to do. We want to walk with you. When you blow it, when you drop it, when it explodes... We want to help you pick up the pieces and put them back together. That's what we do. Not be like, oh my gosh, did you see her? She made a mess of her life. Hmm. No. <laughs> we all have made a mess. Maybe you don't know it, but you're a hot mess too. You know, the person beside you may not understand that about themselves. Look over at them and say, you're a hot mess. You're a hot mess. Some of y'all put the... <laughs> Yeah, some of y'all put, you feel free to put the emphasis on the word hot instead of mess if it will make the person beside you even more uncomfortable than they already are in this moment. So, we're all a hot mess. Let's be a hot mess together. Let's, let's help each other through. Does that mean we'll always come to an agreement? Eh, no, but we'll love each other. We want to be a church that's guided by truth and grace because if it's all of one and none of the other either way you got a mess if it's a church that is all truth and no grace you become legalistic if you are a church that's all grace and no truth you get way out and anything goes and you start to abandon the word of god and you really have a mess you got to have both there's got to be accountability in a healthy and life-giving way we want to be a church that wants something from you. <laughs> Let me get that right. Back, hold on, rewind that. We want something for you, not something from you. Did you notice what we did not do as a part of our service today? That you've seen in every other church you've ever been a part of, probably? Anybody? Nobody passed a collection plate, did they? And yet, we've never not paid our bills, not once. We just got some offering boxes. I don't even talk about giving. It's the first time I've even mentioned the fact that you can give in a long time. You just drop it in the box. Yeah. We want something for you, not something from you. 
We, we want to be a church where people can reconnect with a community of faith. Where, where maybe folks who thought they wouldn't do church anymore find that, man, this is, this is good stuff. We, we're a church where, and this is our motto, y'all know it, no matter your story, you're welcome, you're wanted, and you're loved. So, yeah. So we, we understand that some people have some very negative experiences in church services. And some of the ways that I present messages, um, you'll, you'll notice is a little different. And part of, that's part of the reason I present stuff in such a way to remember that, hey, not everybody's had the same experience. Some people have had it pretty rough. And some people don't do church. So that's why I kind of stop and explain some things. Anyway, getting back to the story. Jesus is speaking and this man jumps up and he's, he's got an evil spirit in him. And, and um, wow, I mean, this, this man appeared to be one thing, but he's another. He seems to be part of this local congregation, but he actually represents something else. And he says, let us alone. And um, notice he uses plural pronouns, we and us. And maybe, maybe there's more than one evil spirit in this guy. Or maybe it's the evil spirit and the guy. And that's why it's we. Um, notice that the evil spirit knew that Jesus was sent from God, recognized who Jesus was, and that He had authority. Um, strangely, the Bible, no place in the Bible does it come out and explain how this man or anybody else came to be, to be uh, oppressed or, or possessed by an evil spirit. So it's not like we have an explanation of how that happens. A couple of things to keep in mind. First, if, if you continually invite the devil to visit, he might try to move in. Fair? Yeah. So if, if you're choosing a lot of stuff in your life that you know the Lord doesn't want for you, and when you stop and think about it, like, okay, this probably is something the devil would like to see in my life. If you continually invite him in, he might, he might stay. So be careful about that. Uh, number two, very important thing. A saved person cannot be possessed by an evil spirit. Why? There's just room for one Holy Spirit. If you've got the Holy Spirit in you, he's, he's not going to sublet the place to anybody else. Just the Holy That's the best thing you can do. A saved person can certainly be harassed, but cannot be possessed. So Let's see what Jesus did about this. Interesting. Verse 25, please. Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet, come out of him. And the unclean spirit had convulsed. When the unclean spirit had convulsed him and he cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Jesus told the demon to be quiet. Even though the, he was actually saying something that was true. You know, the demon was correct in saying that Jesus was the Holy One from God. He was correct in saying Jesus had the authority. But, Jesus did not want that, that as his witness. He didn't want that kind of a spirit testifying on his behalf. Have you ever met anybody who could cuss somebody out in one breath and quote Scripture in the next? Whew. And you know what? Those folks are always active on Facebook. It's like, come on, y'all. Help, help, help us out here. Um, this, it's something that we take very seriously as a church. You know, we're... We're going to probably do another round of t-shirts pretty soon. We haven't done any t-shirts in a long time. It's time. I've worn out my Recreate shirts. But what is my rule with shirts and hats and stuff that have Recreate on them? What do I always say? If you're wearing it, you got to be nice. You can't be mean. I don't care how bad they messed up your order at Taco Bell. They're 16 years old and they're making minimum wage. Cut them some slack. And if you got to like berate someone, go change your shirt first. And hopefully you will calm down. Say, you know what? I would, mm, I'd give them a piece of my mind, but I'd have to go turn my shirt inside out before I did it. So I'm going to calm down now. So that's our deal though. We don't, we don't want to have that sort of a testimony where it's so inconsistent. Not to, hey, you're going to have bad days. I have bad days too. Um, but I try to wear my recreate shirt, so I have to be good. 
you know, have to be good in public at least. So Jesus casts the Spirit out of this man and gives him a fresh start. I wish we knew what happened after this. Hopefully, hopefully it was a new beginning for him and he became a follower of Jesus and he, he left that old life behind and, and however he got in that mess, hopefully he did not go back to it. We don't know. But this much we do know. When people saw what Jesus did, the news spread like wildfire and people started coming from all over to hear His teaching. This is like a big deal miracle. And I told you Capernaum is going to be His base of operations and in part because people started coming because they heard Jesus was there. And uh, we're going to see much more of that in the book of Mark. What a, what a weird story though. Imagine being in a church service and somebody starts just flipping out and it becomes clear that there's an evil spirit. Now, in, that would be unusual in Western Christianity, but some places you go in the world, that, that would happen. That would certainly happen if, in some parts of the world. So, you know, for us it sounds so strange, but it's still happening today. So what, what do we take away from this story? Well, obviously, number one, there's only one Spirit that you want, and that's the Holy Spirit of God. You want to be saved, you want to be full of the Holy Spirit for all sorts of reasons. And for another thing, just because somebody appears religious or even goes to church or claims to be spiritual, it doesn't necessarily mean they know Jesus. I want you to know, um, we don't really have like a membership role here. That's not something we don't have like a paper list. But the way you way you're a part of Recreate is you show up and you take part in the spiritual life of the church you know you're, you participate but i want you to understand that just showing up for church services is not the same as being a follower of jesus um, as a matter of fact we want people to show up at our church services who don't follow jesus yet because we want to introduce him to jesus it's not the same you've really you've got to have your trust in jesus and and got to live for him you're going to meet some people who look like or act like or claim that they know Jesus who, who don't. You're going to meet some people who do know Jesus, but they act like they haven't met Him sometimes. So, I just I want you to understand that church people and Jesus people are not necessarily the same. That's the title of this message if you keep track of such things. Church people and Jesus people. Not the same thing. Should be the same thing. Aren't the same thing. Keep this in mind that when... When you hear someone say, I can't believe the church would do this, or I can't believe Christians are like this, or just understand probably what they're talking about isn't something that is actually in line with the teaching of Jesus. Now, if they know the teaching of Jesus and they can't agree with that, that's another matter. I'll give you that. That's, that's an honest disagreement. But the misbehavior of people who who claim to believe is not the same as how Jesus feels. Understand this. If you've ever been hurt by church people, please don't assume Jesus feels the same way as they did. Because Jesus loves you. Doesn't mean the Lord approves of every choice you make because He loves you. But He wants to heal you, not hurt you. If you're one of those folks who's experienced hurt associated with church, I get it. I absolutely get it. Been there, done that. As a matter of fact, the, the whole heart of Recreate Church, the roots of Recreate Church came out of a time in 2016 where if God had given me an escape hatch, I would have quit church altogether, but I couldn't quit because I was the preacher. You know, you can't just drop out when you're the pastor. Um, but I would have. But I couldn't. And I said, God, either get me out of here or help me to understand something. And he didn't get me out. Instead, it's like he started pouring stuff out on me like 50 pages of stuff about what church could be and what church should be. And that's what we're doing. We haven't got it all done. we got a lot more work to do. But recreate 
We have a special calling to recreate the church experience. That's why we're called that. It's not just a catchy name. We're recreating what it means to be the church, not something new so much as something very old. If you go back and read the book of Acts, you read the Gospels, you read the New Testament, we're trying to do stuff more like that as much as we can. We have a calling to be a community of faith where people who have reasons to be skeptical, people who have reasons to be leery, people who have reasons to be hesitant about church can rediscover a life-changing connection to a community of faith. That's, That's what we do. That's who we are. I believe these young men are going to play one more song for us. And uh, it talks about this a church being a sleeping giant. And uh, I think that's kind of, I think it's a good way to do it. So one more time, would you welcome the Ham Brothers up here?
up sleeping giant Our Lord's coming soon Wake up sleeping giant Our Lord's coming soon Thank you so much again to the Ham Brothers so much hey guys it's time for us to be the church and we can't do that just in this space something um that i want to see us start again is some of our mission projects and we started that early on and covid kind of messed that up i want to get some things re-going something we have talked about doing is operation christmas child are you familiar with that with the shoebox ministry okay so if you are interested in that and want to know about organizing that and helping with that, here's what I want you to do. When we dismiss in about one minute, I want you to hang around and we'll talk about it, okay? Just hang around and, and we'll, we'll meet, maybe just hang around over there somewhere in the refreshment area and we'll talk about that, okay? And there's some more mission opportunities. Um, there's things we could do with God's pit crew and a lot more. Uh, we talked about maybe doing an outreach during the flea market. We may not be able to get that together in time this year. Um, but I will say, you know, we want to do that, and we've got a good space here. Um, I, let me throw this one. I'm going to throw this out there. If there's some local group that does good work that would like to park some cars here, this space will be available, all right? So talk to me about that, all right, and make some money, you know. All right. For a good cause. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and I'll send you on your way. Thank you so much, Heavenly Father. We love you so much. We pray in Jesus' name that you'll work on us this week. We want to be the church. Forgive us, Lord, in moments where, where we have not represented you well. And I pray we'll go forward in a way that shows people that you love them, and we love them, and they'll be so intrigued by this love. They'll want to know about your Son, Jesus because he's the one the love comes from. In his name we pray. Amen. Okay, God bless you folks. We'll see you next time. Hope you have a fantastic week. Again, if you want to talk about shoeboxes, go over there and hang out. <laughs>